Hey, listeners, do you fucking love music? Because we do. And if you fucking love music, please consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com slash on the record music, where for just $5 a month, you can have access to our private podcast where we go in depth on albums, do extended album reviews, do impromptu shows, do live shows, legacy albums, lots of great content on the Patreon, on the private podcast, because we want to share our love of music with the entire world. Look, it's really fucking easy these days to put out a video on YouTube and say, here's why this band sucks, or here are the worst songs out today, or or this song or this album is just crap. It's all clickbait. And that's not who we are. We love music. and We love sharing music. We love talking about music. We are musicians. We are music listeners. We go to concerts. We go to festivals. And that's what we want to spread to the world. And you can help us do that. If you believe these same things that I'm talking about right now, please consider joining us on Patreon. We know you have a choice with what to do with your money. And we hope for just $5 a month, you consider supporting us so we can continue to spread this message and continue our mission of just fucking rocking. So if you would, please go to patreon.com slash on the record music and join us. Now let's get fucking rocking. On the Record Music is a music podcast for those who just fucking love music. Music, music, music. In today's episode, Jesse and I are sitting down with Desiree Fawn Zimmerman and Kristen Sanchez of Chicago-based EDM group Dance Loud. You know Jesse and I don't really talk about EDM music that much on this show, if really at all. We're more rock guys, you know that. But... This is a conversation that's fun to listen to. We had a blast doing it, and it was something that kind of really got us into this music now. Having had the conversation and just learning about the concept behind their debut album, The Moment, hearing them nerd out and us nerd out to audio equipment, talking about sticker trading, treating their music like a small business, really increased my appreciation for this music and this album. And now going back and listening to it again, it sounds really, really great. So this is a fun conversation. We really hope you enjoy it as well. If you do enjoy it, we ask that you leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave an album that you want us to cover on an upcoming episode. If you do that by the end of September, so you got about four weeks to do that, we will cover your album on this show. You can also support Dance Loud, support independent music. Head on over to danceloudmusic.com, pick yourself up a vinyl or a USB album or a tank top or a fedora or all four of those things. You can also find them on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, social media, Dance Loud. Let's get into it. Sit back and enjoy the show. You don't have to. They hand you a joint as you walk it's in. It's like having a leadoff hitter that hits 210. Well, you know, Jesse, you're wrong because you can never have enough guitar solo. How's that high life doing? <laughs> it's damn oh, Love it. And we're on the record, a music podcast where we discuss everything music from topics, albums, and everything in between. I am your co-host of the night, Jesse Drager, and for once I am outnumbered by Chicagoans quite a bit here on the show, but we'll start off with my co-host Ben in Chicago, Illinois. Ben, how are you doing there, long hair? I'm doing all right. Like I said, the hair gets longer every day, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. I still got it. You hippie. You hippie. (laughs) Gosh. So what are we doing here today, Ben? What's, yeah, what's going so on here? We're having a conversation today. So we have Desiree Fawn Zimmerman and Kristen Sanchez from Dance Loud, an Yay. EDM group he, here in Chicago. Howdy. Yes, we are dancing away, I guess, loud and proud here in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great to find out that you all are local. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of did the split. So we're both originally from Minnesota. We worked together mm-hmm. in Minneapolis, and then I just ended up in Chicago a couple of years ago. And then that's when we started this podcast was after we moved. So yeah, we've been doing yeah. this remote the whole time. Yeah, he jumped on a Greyhound. I never saw him again until we found <laughs> each other on Skype. You know, it's just amazing. It works. <laughs> you know, we uh, we actually just got our record into um, Electric Fetus yeah. out of Minneapolis. Yeah, that's right, that's right um, down from uh, my apartment right now. So... <laughs> Oh, really? Maybe you could um, recommend some coffee shops at some point of we want to send our posters to random places that have community boards just to show people it's there. I got your back. We'll we'll do some writing uh, uh, on our Instagram or Facebook accounts. We'll I'll send you some good coffee. Or we'll send you something free and 
And he can just put it there himself because, you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you want. Just take anything. <laughs> yeah. You know, hey, every morning I go for my uh, little uh, jasmine tea lemonade down at Spy House Coffee. There's a plug. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I'll be glad right. to, you know, staple some uh, some of you guys' posters all around town here. Just uh, let's work on that. I'd love that. Oh, that'd be amazing. It's kind of fun. We got really into a sticker trade uh, lately to help kind of promote the album. And, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on, it was it was like, wow, well, you know, radio pluggers are done right now. And, you know, it market like press is taking a huge hit. Um, It's kind of like the year that the the world stood. still. Yeah, the music industry and in the entire world (laughs) stood still. Everything's on autopilot. (laughs) <laughs> um, so we've just went back to old school, traditional, you know, stickering and sticker trading. I don't, I call it her pen pal friends. She, they mail each other stickers. Okay. And it goes up in different cities. I mean, there's even, it's, it's, I guess the, the most efficient, uh, financially, you know, uh, to just get your, yourself on boards as, as opposed to what major labels do. They spend $10,000, 10 G's for one city. To have the uh, posters go up on the all the boarded up board, you know, buildings. Wow. Which I mean, it's limited. So because there's so many poster people, mm-hmm. so you're, you're po- it's only going to be up there for a month. Yeah. You know, it's just going to get repostered over layers. Well, I tell you, you know, what, layers just go on. I will be glad to not take ten grand to help you out, but maybe five grand. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Take what you want. Take it all. <laughs> all <right. laughs> so with sticker trading, Marketing you just music. is that you just get in contact with other people, you trade stickers and put them up? Yeah, you know, so I had a friend who was a local street artist and he had told me about it that there was just kind of this weird network of underground people that's been going around since above ground underground. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's been (laughs) going on at least since the nineties at minimum. And so if you look up sticker trade as a hashtag on Instagram or on YouTube, you can see that there's a lot of people involved and it's this weird world where you just pen pal had a baby with a graffiti artist. (laughs) Yeah. So, so we started hitting up like local artists to say, Hey, do you want to join our sticker trade? Well, well, you know, I don't want it just to be our stickers. I want to, you know, push other artists as well. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of this hidden thing that you, as part of your sticker trade, you also send some blank stickers for them to draw on. Okay. So it's like, it's it's kind of like these weird under, they're not really rules, but it's just like the ethics of it. And, and it's snail mail. So you're just, you know, a lot of people mm-hmm. have PO boxes. And so people, some people collect them, they put them in a book. Uh, we have, you know, a laundry room and a stairwell. I just fill with them. Um, other people just go out and tag their own cities with it and help other people bomb. So I don't know. It's I love it. You know, we've met we've sent stickers like around the world. You know, it was kind of I was kind of shocked to see the amount of people that were into it. And it's kind of just it's weird little niche world. Oh, she loves it. I do. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are we going to the, the mailbox today? It feels like, you know, Legoland when we do it. It's like. You know, in such a world like we live in now, it's like, oh, we're going to go to the mailbox. <laughs> this is very exciting. we got to leave the house today. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. is that like, I guess, is it quote unquote effective? I don't know if that's the right word to use. So, I mean, it sounds fun. Um, For algorithm use, it is because okay. the more your your uh, your your tag, I guess, your name gets gets thrown onto Google or. Mm-hmm. the web in some sort of way okay. through a, a hashtag on it because then they'll they'll show you where they post your sticker oh cool and then the more times your sticker is posted you're then tagged more and then you know what didn't didn't aren't we coming up pretty well on the yeah so what lab? i noticed I, f- I feel like it's slightly a little bit more like micro versus macro level marketing sure. um what what it happened was i kept seeing this sticker around the city and and i went and measured it and it was a four by four inch sticker and I thought it was banned and I'd seen it everywhere and I just kept seeing it. And I finally looked it up because I say statistically, once you see something seven times, you're more apt to click on it. Mm-hmm. That's when like, you know, a new artist comes out, you'll see him in a billboard, um, all of your ads, you know, on magazines, every possible way, so you know. It, it will help with local sales mm-hmm. if your local following mm-hmm. will see it driving around sure. seven times on the highway every day at seven o'clock every day or you know, something weird. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, it reminds them like, hey, do you want to buy my album? Hey, do you want to buy the USB? Do, I do? do you just PayPal? Yeah. <laughs> so when I, I kept seeing this sticker, I finally looked it up and I'd seen it wasn't a band. It was some type of like animal rights organization. Okay. And I was like, wow, that's super interesting. So 
as I was kind of looking into wheat pasting, it all started with politicians, you know, and they would go and just paste their stuff up, you know, every time there's something going on in politics and there's, you know, votes coming, you just see their trash everywhere. And there's the triple whammy with us, too, because, you know, we wrote the lyrics that are accidentally political these days, just the year 2020, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, I know it is really hard, mm-hmm. but. It you know the I think a lot of the sticker trade folks out there are doing it for a political reason, you know they're spreading positive messages mm-hmm. just to help brighten someone's day for like a second, mm-hmm. you know, and that one second can mean the world to someone. So oh, yeah. hey, starts with politics, ends in politics. <laughs> centuries yeah. later, I don't know. So I started putting these stickers all over the city, and I mean it was just it was so fun because I felt like I was being pretty productive too mm-hmm. you know it was like well we are you know kind of promoting and pushing and um and it was a lot of fun and it was kind of adrenaline rush of you know especially at the beginning I was like is this okay is like a cop gonna see me is you know and I ended up looking more and more into it and once you know I so what happened was I ended up looking up I think it was like Chicago Street Art or some hashtag and I started seeing our stickers everywhere and I was like, wait a minute, people are taking pictures of these and posting these and saying, whoever's posting dance loud all over the city. Thank you. You know, I love to dance. And so we started to realize that, you know, our goal was to subconsciously get it into people's heads, sure. you know, we're like, oh, you know, I've heard of dance loud. I'm not sure where I've heard of that, you know, and like not really knowing what it is. So then we started doing a series of wheat pasting and started putting dancers around the city. And now I've introduced it's like it's dance loud music. All right. And so that's actually been a lot of fun. And it's, it is. It's where it's kind of a adrenaline rush. It's kind of illegal. It's kind of not illegal. OK. Um, we'd seen a guy in Wicker Park and he he had been hired by one of these grill marketing companies and he was putting up, you know, massive posters. And as we like are watching him, we see a cop stop and just look at him for a second and kept driving. So I went and like interrupted his poster pasting and asked him. It was like She got all the juice out of him. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get in what, you know? You get in trouble. What's like, your pace made from? Yeah, Where do you every, get every that? What's yeah. Do you like that bucket? How about that broom? Is that broom efficient? What do you? How about a paintbrush? How about a roller? Do you ever tried the roller? What's the weight of the paper? Uh-huh. How does that expire? Is it cheap? Is there a cheaper way? Yeah. <laughs> and so he said, he goes, you know, I never have issues with cops, and you know, if anything, I have an issue with like a bystander walking by and I don't do it on places that are private property. Mm-hmm. It's usually a foreclosed building, you know, boarded up window somewhere. You know, you'll see it in any city with 20 layers of stickers. Already. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Our posters, sure. whatever. So that's kind of I feel I find to be the respectful way of it is, you know, it's not posting on the side of someone's yeah. building, you know, and we know in Chicago that it's kind of like a neighborhood designated area. Uh, Lakeview used to be the 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 kingdom of it but now that Lakeview has changed so much over the years it's all the major poles have all been ripped off of you can see these poles are just like not layers of stickers posters ads it's layers of staples Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's like a metal staple exhibit in my eyes now of the old Lakeview and uh, now the new areas I I, I mean Avondale's turning into it it was just residential but now that Logan Square has kind of done an annex which Mm -hmm. is Avondale you know, you're kind of seeing it. Logan Square, I mean, even before I could actually I could go on with Chicago mm-hmm. neighborhoods too much. It's too long of a story. <laughs> it's too many neighborhoods. <laughs> what about Minneapolis? Do you have a good street art scene? You know, not the not the greatest. There are good pockets of areas more probably, Ben, why don't you say probably uh, the industrial area, probably in just north or northwest uh, of downtown. Kind of the North Loop is what we're calling it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's the old mill. So like, you know, Pillsbury. Um, uh, gold medal um, a lot along that area along the river almost would probably be the best area for that so if you ever saw purple rain and stuff like that uh, shots around like um, you know Mississippi River would probably be that area which where it would be the most prominent there is quite a bit um, that does go on around you know south and in the north and stuff like that but nothing like um, where it's like strictly designated like oh this is a great area to go and just see like the good street art Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of murals, but nothing, yeah. you know, nothing that really comes to mind as far, as far as like stickering. And that could all be different too. I mean, I haven't lived there in two years. I get back there a few times a year, but I haven't seen too much of it. But a lot of murals. I don't know if you heard of Prince. Cool. There's a lot of Prince murals around Bob Dylan. Okay. Bob Dylan. Things Sounds like familiar. that. Yeah, you may have heard yeah. of them. You're starting to get the travel bug in me now. 
Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You know, that was Minneapolis is one city we hadn't toured to yet. Kind of the northwest coast of America. I know, I know. Yeah. I wanted really bad to do a tour that was going through um, Minneapolis and the Dakotas. I wanted mm-hmm. to see the Native American medicine wheel just because we, we sent our tours around um, ancient civilizations. <laughs> we do. <Wow. laughs> we do. It's a, a, for our off time. We yeah, like go sure. try to find like an ancient civilization somewhere. Yeah. We do. I know it's a, it's a it, way too much TV. I think it's now mainstream TV now. All the ancient stuff, right? Ancient secret civilizations. Yeah, the ancient yeah, Seattle, aliens. Seattle, Portland, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. haven't hit those up yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's something that's been you know for the past year. Minneapolis keeps coming up. Where when I was looking up um, the top non-commercial radio station, I think it was a radio station out of Minneapolis hit mm-hmm. number one with the amount of listeners, and um, I I feel like it was almost even more than NPR's. Like wow. tiny desk. It was it was shocking. Um, there was another one in Pennsylvania that was pretty big too. Yeah, um, the, um, 89.3 The Current is a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's, it. It's part of yep. NPR, based out. Oh, of there. is it? Okay. Um, it's similar. There's one in Seattle too, like KXTEP or something like that. That I've also seen that on mm-hmm. YouTube pop up. But it's really cool. KEXP. Yeah, that's it. KEXP. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, K. So that's a very goal. similar. <laughs> That was one thing when I moved to Chicago, I was kind of disappointed because I was looking for a radio station like that and I just mm-hmm. didn't find anything like that. And I was kind of bummed. Oh, yeah. you should just start your own. <laughs> yeah. We are trying Let this. me yeah. know yeah, that's what we're if you on. do. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, because there's, you know, the ones that we've found, they're all really small and mm-hmm. really niche, yep. which is great in its own facet. Right. But Chicago's, a, you know, as much as it has so much history and gospel blues, mm-hmm. the creation of house music, all mm-hmm. of that, it's still very much a hip hop city mm-hmm. now. This yeah. uh, recording studio that landed in Alton, Illinois, where Desiree is originally from, which is just outside of St. Louis. Uh, so if you're familiar with St. Louis uh, music history, they have quite a bit. Ooh. You know, they have uh, Miles Davis and I don't know, Desiree's really good with. Nelly. <laughs> Nelly. Nelly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. classics. Miles okay. Davis, well, Nelly. They have enough got them all. to have a legit recording studio there. Um, what is it? Lighthouse something? Lighthouse Studios. Lighthouse yeah. Studios. So they started KEXPing over there. Okay. And they straight up started a YouTube channel, which is per- perfect for advertising mm-hmm. a recording studio and getting that foot, foot going. But hey, you know, if you collab with, there's an uptown recording studio, you just park your podcast portable station right or you don't even portable it's a studio yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean right. what am i talking right. about um yeah. but yeah that would be a really good collab fyi if you guys want definitely and kexp style yeah, yeah. that's the way to go it. nowadays you know like growing up it felt like you always had to go to like college radio stations to get anything that was kind of like a mm-hmm. little bit more local or a little bit more i don't want to say risque but i mean just something that's just out of the norm not pop world not rock world not hip-hop but mm-hmm. just a beautiful blend and so it's uh you know the current having been lucky enough to live in minneapolis for a dozen years now having the current around has always been a wonderful kind of like yeah. feature to have i mean you could even get i mean, i guess it could be an income a, re- a stream of revenue i mean because i would I'd take my money i would do it you know it's like can mm-hmm. i just upload a youtube video and it be a live performance video and it be before the actual music video the official music video it would cut costs quite a bit sure. you know it could be service-based actually thinking yeah. about it where it was like submit. you know we already have to submit to the radios anyway just, just submit more yeah i mean <laughs> if you were to start your own kind of kexp and you know you talk with the studio and say all right we can market your studio in this way um and then make it where maybe the band pays the videographer you know because it's something like that or even share costs or something mm-hmm. Because it's something that that like that can help bands a lot with. Here's content. Here's a really great live recording that I could use for booking. You know, it can kind of stretch across the way and everyone can kind of share yeah. the cost. I mean, most bands, we can only afford three official music videos that have a lot of production. Uh, and then the rest of the singles just don't get they just get the, the still. Sure. Right. The album cover still. So why not just have no stills ever? Mm-hmm. Only unless it's one of those cool video sure. loops. I'll give it that. Right. I like those. Spent eleven dollars on a music video. Great. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, is that kind of like what you did for Shady Beach, though? I mean, that for, thing is for Hollow. I did oh, a Hollow. video loop. 
Uh, yeah, because we we did come up with like an entire storyboard for Hollow for a music video, but the production cost would probably be like a million dollars. It would require hiring like twenty actors, sure. too much. <laughs> <laughs> so we we narrowed it down to eleven dollars to a video loop. That's not bad. <laughs> and then Shady Beach. Um, okay, I'm just curious. Let's give them a blank question, a blank slate question, because we know the answer. What do you think was a higher production cost? Hear Me Out or Shady Beach. Hear Me Out was where it's us both. We're just roaming around some sand, being all romantic. And then um, Shady Beach was the funny thing where I was in the ramen suit. No, I loved Shady Beach as the video. So I would definitely say that because it looked like it was just like the paper cutout kind of like version of you and just like running around. So Get it, <laughs> I think it would yeah. just be like closer to that one myself just by on first view. That okay. That would be my impression too. Yes. We spent what? 350 bucks. Yeah. What? Wow! Yeah, because Desiree, Desiree does uh, Desiree Desiree does video editing as well. That's okay. what cut the cost. That helps. So yeah, it was. That's where I might. Why well, I'm not in it, and, and I actually loved that yes. part of it. <laughs> Behind the so camera, kind of shy, time. I guess. Yeah, and and it was honestly like, a, well, it's so interesting because it came out in the midst of the coronavirus, and here's this video that it, we're it going was released, out, but not filmed. Getting yep. giving out slices of pizza to random people, yep. you know, <laughs> and just in this pay it forward, you know, you do something nice for someone else. And it was usually someone giving something of material like here's a piece of pizza for you. Here's a coin for you person waiting at the bus stop, you know, mm. and and so it was interesting when it came out because, it, th- you know, literally half the people in it, you know, the person at the cousin, bus stop, um, he was a random person. Most of the people that were like accepting the pizza outside of a couple, they were all just random people we saw on the street and said, hey, will you take a picture with this contract? And, you know, we could use your likeness all of the universe. That's what I think is the funniest part about these contracts or it's like all of the universe. I guess it's like any planet. Yeah, any we planet. film on Mars. Right. Yeah. We can distribute it to Saturn. Yeah. And and so and there was even this really cool. We were in Humboldt Park and we saw this really cool car that. You know, the it was a hatchback and it was just filled Those with speakers. speakers. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah, out there just that's drinking. A, that's a normal Sunday yeah. on in Humboldt sure. Park, by the way. That, it is. That's just how every Sunday is. There's, yeah. It's a car meetup, you know. So uh, if anyone wants to visit Chicago on a Sunday, it's a good thing to do. That looked like genuine um, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Gen- yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, another cut cost thing was the film locations. Uh, that's why we were uh, we were trying to showcase the the dot coms on the music video description thanking them for their film location or swag because we got like a necklace from Hush Chicago and then St. Lucia's was the smoke shop that we were trying to share, you know, uh, just collabing mm-hmm. with. And then Peace Pizza. Everyone. Peace Pizza, yeah. Mm-hmm. He donated just uh, a bunch pizza. of pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just helps too because if they do have um, their numbers uh, socially online, you know, it can be a cross promotion sure. for the two of us. You know, if you pick pick and don't don't just pick any joe schmo pick someone that has good value to what they believe in you know because you you never know these days mm-hmm. you know you to be conscious you consumers be very, it yeah seems. you do mm-hmm. so go over there and have a good chat and feel it out you know with each individual collabing uh partner and just do it and then if they're socially con- socially aware of what what you know how to market themselves online for their business then they're gonna share it too and make sure it's shared well Mm -hmm. tagged up and all because i'm still new at at learning all this you know we're from the old world and the new world you know we're the last generation of the old world before technology hit so hard yeah definitely i know that's the kind of like weird part about being that you know front end of the millennials or at back end of the gen x where it's like oh we weren't we didn't grow up with technology all the way because i'm 36 this year so it's kind of nice to know that i had a life before like this digital stuff but it's really interesting to kind of get involved with this stuff and i know the one reason what you guys you guys contacted us which we greatly appreciate because this is an opportunity to learn something new that ben and i haven't talked to but we're kind of talking a little bit about this but how is it that independent artists are mutating the way that they are doing PR for themselves. So we just mentioned stickers and kind of stuff like that. How, how, how did, uh, how do you, I think it was Kristen, you're the one that had the background in some PR, right? Um, how would, um, Oh no, I was the, Desiree was, Desiree yep. does. Desiree, yes. does. Desiree was the music, music business major and I did audio, uh, recording sounds, yep. some design. Yep. So like, how do you, uh, Desiree, how do you think that, uh, independent artists should be promoting themselves Which, nowadays for beneficial <laughs> for the artist? You know, I do feel that 
there is a way of, I think it's been a long time coming, but I do feel that there's, you kind of have these corporations versus small business. Mm -hmm. Your corporations are your four major labels. You know, they own TV, they own, you know, Warner, you know, we can go into that. But the thing is looking at it from a small business standpoint as, you know, what would you have to do for a small business? You'd immediately have to get, you know, a lawyer, accountant and get your PR going. Um, so I very much look at music as a business in that way. Like a restaurant. So she's familiar with restaurants. Specifically sure. like a restaurant okay. in the way of they do a campaign when they even open. the production value is, you know, if I were to open a restaurant, I would open a fine dining restaurant. That means that every single thing's made in house. If it's an Italian fine dining, that means all the noodles, all the bread, everything's made in house. Mm-hmm. So from there, I do believe that, um, you know, these small, the way of working as a small business is actually instead of looking for small labels to help, it's actually having label services. Um, and, and to go, going into each thing, you know, where there's a lot of scams right now, especially as we're more turning into more label services when it comes to, you know, Spotify pluggers and, and that whole world. Um, but, you know, what we did was we independently, we hit up several PR companies and and was looking at, all right, who, what have you done in the past? Mm-hmm. PR is very expensive. It's not guaranteed. So you're saying, all right, I put out this album. Um, they're trying to put, you know, what's what's a way that we can work around it? You know, are you going to align yourself with a the charity? There has to be some type of PR way. Um, I learned that how, with, how to figure out if it's a scam or not was just like the the mo- took up the most time. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. So we didn't, you know, so it was nice. So when we, you know, as our first run of hiring a PR agency, because in the past when we would go on tour, I would do, I would send out the press releases and we, you know, we had found, we found a non-for-profit to align ourselves with that we believed in to, you know, and contacted them in a way of saying, you know, we don't have a lot of money. Um, we actually don't have any money. <laughs> we're about to go on tour. So if, you know, we're going to be going to coffee shops and we're going to, you know, have a merch table. And if you would like to give us something, we will help push it in each place that we go, you know, and this is the lining of our tour. So we knew the amount of time it took for us to get, you know, maybe four, you know, pieces of PR, like while we're on a two week tour or a three week tour. Mm. So from there, you know, we thought, well, this is going to take up a lot of time. We have a lot of other things to do as we are releasing independently. Let's go ahead and hire out for the first time. And the one the one thing that's really positive about hiring out is they have connections that you don't. Sure. And they've already worked with people. And so it's not. So the point of that is that it's not going in the spam box. We noticed that's. Mm. A difficult issue, even if you make the prettiest thing with HTML code, mm-hmm. if it's got HTML code, it's most likely going to end up in the spam box. Mm-hmm. So, Embedded within the email. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we knew that because, you know, you can do it individually yourself, but most likely if you've never had interaction with that person, it's just it's just what happens with email. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was another big factor. We wanted someone that already had a, some sort of a connection that they're a real person, that they've done their filter through the, the noise filter that we have to battle today with mm-hmm. artists, you know? So, um, and, and, and with PR, you know, you got to pick and choose. You can't always pay for it. It's, it's not, uh, with the debut album, we felt it being necessary because we have to take our time as well to pitch to music supervisors and pitch to Spotify playlisters and pitch to non-com radio and pitch to, I'm probably missing like three other things. <laughs> You know, yeah. So for for the PR for blogs and publications, we felt like we should actually put someone that does it every day, you know, in charge mm-hmm. of that. Since that's that's kind of like your your lifelong resume. Google now sticks for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, your uh, search history. So that can uh, be a quick, you know effective only in the long run. Not really so much quick, you know, turnaround. There's nothing quick turnaround. The longer you take, the mm-hmm. longer your longevity is. Did I pronounce that right? Who yeah. Knows? <laughs> But, you know, the thing is, it is it truly is a gamble because, mm-hmm. you know, we thought, you know, there was a couple small, you know, things locally that, you know, we'd actually even worked with in the past. I thought it would be really easy just like, oh, hey, submit to them that didn't pick up on it. And then there was other things like they end up getting us in like 
billboard and you know ear milk and you know some of these bigger publications that there's just no way emails a day mm-hmm. that we would have gotten it on our own sure so it's kind of weighing out your pros and cons like that but really it's a opposite effect because the local blogs they uh, had a different strategy here in Chicago they were more so oh because it was a third party and not directly through the artist they chose to not answer back the email mm-hmm. oh yeah. Interesting. We had talked to a local magazine and they're like, oh. I, I, I gave a little list for my P, the PR guy. Like, hey, can you do this? <laughs> um, and then uh, and then since I know the local list personally, I went and just sent him my own personal message. And then I found out like that's a thing I guess some people will do. So it really it, it works if you have built enough to even be accepted a chance to be accepted from a bigger blog or publication like mm-hmm. Ear Milk. You have to have like some kind of, uh, you have to sh- your poop together. <laughs> you can say shit. Okay. I don't know. Turns hearts and shit. Yeah. Well, our tagline yeah. is for, pe- uh, our podcast is for people who just fucking love music. So. <laughs> Sorry. There's the distortion. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the working tagline yeah. for now. Um, if we become a little more family friendly or broader known, we might have to dull that down a little bit, but yeah. for now, that's well, actually, what we're going to roll. Actually, with. if it's going to become family friendly, Ben will have to get a new, uh, yeah podcast co-host so uh, <laughs> so uh, so i guess yeah. in the end with all that you should if you're gonna go bigger you know it's Do worth it. it's worth doing but if you're if you're just gonna you know stay with local blogs or something you know on the small to medium scale they don't they may prefer to have a direct relationship with the artists sure. which is good to build too because then once your next release comes out boom have an email blast for the folks that you already easily work with so now at, on the other side, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just uh, gonna ask, at what point do you quote unquote go bigger? Like at, oh, when you um, as a band, when, when you, you when when our website has has it's like you have all of your networks up to par with your with a decent amount of numbers and okay. quality. Okay. So Desiree's goal was to build the Instagram at a certain amount before we even get taken ser- think that we get taken seriously. Sure, sure. It's not that much, you know. It's because even two, three thousand followers on Instagram can mean quite a drastic amount for someone that knows what they're doing because they mm-hmm. have apps to check how legit you are socially, if you're sure. faking it or what. They all have the secret apps that nobody knows that only the big label people know. Um, no, uh, well, it's not really yeah. that secret. It's like you can find metrics and social. Play. I've looked up other people's yeah. Instagrams trying to figure out. It's like, is this real? Yeah, but it took yeah. me how many reddits to figure that out <laughs> so 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 uh, as on the other side this is what i've noticed is that you know we paid for pr we end up mm-hmm. getting a lot of really good press and the thing is we didn't see a significant number jump in our social media platforms um so what was interesting is it was nice because we were able to use the pr as content and in that way, people got really excited and, and they all shared it. So that's mm-hmm. where it kind of helped in that way. It kind of pushed the music videos, which was a big help. Um, but I do believe that the thing is like with growing on Instagram and stuff is like it's better to grow slow and it be real than mm-hmm. to go out and buy 10,000 followers. And then you're you're literally posting to no it's one. It's like the sure. same thing as a heroin addiction. like. <laughs> You have to pay for all this stuff, you know? Right. <laughs> like, and then you have to keep up the likes because the likes won't match the followers. And now you got to go do your other platform because it doesn't match that platform. So now you got to boost the streams over here. And sure. So it just keeps going. And, yep. A lot know? of ones and zeros, like mm-hmm. our whole existence is just ones and zeros yeah. and numbers and statistics. And But we made sure to aim to hi-fi type publication, like ones that talk about audio or hi-fi, anything of quality so that the the blog and the publication review you do get it's part of your resume that it's hi-fi sound you know it's not something that um is part of the noise filter that we all have to because there's a million blogs there's a million people a million artists putting things out there's still a filter mm-hmm. when you have people backing you up on what you are how you're trying to market your album then it's almost like um in what would be equivalent to a resume your your references you know mm-hmm. You know, they can call up your references. Like, yes, that is a high quality piece of work. Sure. You know, then you know that, um, say, if I if we want to ever collab with someone for a film, Desiree's goal is to do a short film animation. So if she were ever to want to collab with someone that it has a bigger name with us, like, I don't know, 
Portis head. <laughs> something something amazing. Um, then we would have some sort of credibility for them to even open and review the audio, you know, for it. Yeah, you know the douche pitch when you like meet someone and they're like, "Oh, you know, I've done this, this, and that, and I've worked with this person." You yep, think I yep. should, and they're manipulating you to be like, "You, sh- this is how you think I should be cool." I've always been yeah. really against it, but I and I, but I do see why it's effective. But you if know? someone else does it for you, bro, that's what it is. My mom always sure, taught yeah. me: yeah. if you're yeah. sitting and complimenting yourself, you're not really leaving anyone else room to compliment you. Yeah. Right. So that's where, like, my ultimate goal is just to have creative freedom to say. You know, what happens if one day I want to record the Chicago Symphony Orchestra in the MCA? I want the city to stand behind me and say, "Okay, you know, I do believe that, Mm. you know, I know that they have a good work ethic, all of that. It's it's definitely it's going to be a lifelong because they invest in you. So you have to make sure your marketing is something that their investment is worth putting money into sure you have to make sure your marketing is up to par um what was my other point i forgot so we didn't have the macro funding so when you have like larger artists you know they'll on bigger labels as the corporations they'll put out you know at minimum two hundred fifty thousand dollars in marketing materials alone yeah so that's where you know i remember cascade said he spent as much as a house when he first started wow wow yeah yeah so we didn't quite have that funding but i do i do feel happy with the release and how everything, even in the midst of the pandemic, you know, I did have a goal of, you know, I do kind of feel like this year is helping us give, give us kind of another year to like build up our social media stuff that, you know, we can jump on festivals and actually maybe get paid a little bit on the festival, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. versus yeah, just being an artist that's thrown in that, you know, early in that smallest font. And I've already like went towards a different route, like okay, streaming. Oh, I don't know how to get paid, but you know, right. whatever. There's I'm no already moving towards a short film. I'm <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But in the end, it's it's all still, um, you know, whether this project be for fun or whatnot, it doesn't even matter. This is when we were close to like such a bad situation in life. It's something that we can hold and have some sort of pride for. I think a mm-hmm. lot of humans are missing their pride and joy. You know, they tend to put it towards something else, like a child, whatever, you know, maybe like yeah. a garage, a man cave garage that they built or, sure. you know, something. Anything. We just need creation. We just need mm-hmm. to create right. to always be happy. Crocheting. Crocheting. Anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If we're not creating, then you're kind of this, I don't know, you feel breathing. Right. You're yeah. Just yeah. Existing. Yeah. Existing. Yeah. Then you have those um, thoughts of like, I just exist. Then you get into this wormhole. I don't know. <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> I get the same way in my <laughs> yeah. own head. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of it's constantly creating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I and I think that the one thing is, is it's kind of like when it comes to any industry, especially when it comes to like any form of business is like we have to diversify our portfolios. And everyone always says that. And it's it's and it sounds so boring. But in a way, it's saying, you know, we bought a house, we rent upstairs and downstairs. You know, it's like a three unit and we live in the middle and we charge cheaper rent to say, hey, you know, we might get creative at 5 a.m. and you can't complain. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want cheaper rent, you know, whatever, um, that gives us a lot of creative freedom that, you know, we just music isn't set up in a way of making a lot of money these days mm-hmm. once streaming hit. I mean, recording studio income compared to rental income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that's where it's like, you know, we're still kind of constantly trying to to look out, you know, it's it's, you know, to take someone that's really big, for example, like Jay-Z, he's invested in a jet, um, some cognac, um, a music streaming platform, probably some cologne somewhere. Who Just knows? JT probably. has a tequila factory. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even George Clooney has tequila. So, Let's you know, get a tequila factory. Yeah. That I think it was next. like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I am a home brewer. She is. Nice. I am. What? Yeah. Nice. Oh man. We, she, she makes meat. She makes this. I think I counted like she has 21 hobbies. No joke. This chick. That's impressive. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sculpts. That don't make very much money. So <laughs> Some, They don't have to, though. Yeah. That's they don't have to. Yeah, it's fulfilling no, life. It's no. about fulfilling your life, you know? I mm-hmm. didn't. She, she does carpentry, too, now Now that we built the house and the studio. So technically, it's 22. That makes that made you money. That's true. All right. I'm up. Yep. Sweat yeah. equity. Sweat even equity. If, um, yeah. With the funds that we got from selling our vinyl and all the, the sales, we literally are already 
we've already spent it mentally in my brain mm -hmm. because I want a surround sound system now. I want to measure, I'm going to learn how to measure it. I'm just going to do a uh, 5.1 surround sound album next year or two years or five, however long it takes yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cause it's going to tie in with the short film, which is perfect. But yeah, see it's, so even if you do make all your money with music, I think with the music industry, you can spend a million to make a million. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's what I would. Pro that's probably the business model I would choose because mm -hmm. I would oh. just dump dump it all into the passion. What do you like? I'd like cheap wranglers and dump it all in that and a music album and microphones um, and mic yeah. trees. Yeah. And, and toys. <laughs> toys. Right. Mm -hmm. Mercury, the dog gets just walks. That, hey. That's all dogs need. They're content. <laughs> yeah. Not bad at all. I love they're that not, you're they're not about interested in electronics. Yeah, not at all. But I love how you're talking about building a studio and home. That's what I'm trying to build at my house. I just bought a house in St. Paul, Minnesota, the Twin City, right. to Minneapolis, and I'm I'm just starting to get involved with it. So how how are you? Oh, one of the things when you sent us our, our that press release, I really love that mixing board behind both of you. That thing was like that was like a swimming pool for me just to be creative on. So oh, what kind yeah, of that's not kind ours. Of, <laughs> oh, so, I know. Oh no, De uh, Desiree has Adobe skills. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. We definitely did. Oh. Um, we, uh, <laughs> I think it's so funny. So we, we wanted to, to, we did record with a similar board. It's just half the, the quarter half of the, the size. size. Yeah. Okay. It's still, an, it's still an analog, like the whole album, you know, but mm -hmm. that is the type of board though, that Columbia college has that I did experience. It's like a once in a lifetime type of experience. Cause it doesn't, the SSL, it doesn't, Oh, it's not I know. as good. No, no, it's, it's great. Amazing. No, it's amazing. That's my goal. I mean, I, in reality, I'll probably have just the control board where it acts like a you know a bunch of faders that are really just a giant mouse. Mm -hmm. You know, because with the album, um, what's so benefit? There's so much benefits of analog boards and digital boards. But with this album, I did so much volume automation that it just. I mean, it, I, I like to do tracking on analog boards, but then when it comes to posts, mm -hmm. I mean, it would have to be done, you know, on a digital board where the automation would have to be saved. You know, it would just be too impossible because we're, we're, it's the total hybrid of both worlds. You know, I would like to spend more money on um, mic pre's and microphones and recording super quality raw files. Mm -hmm. And then in posts, use, use, you know, mostly just, analog going in and then digital when it comes to any kind of what you're putting on top of it you know what saturation digital digital limiting is really good right now you know and digital saturation is phenomenal i mean fab filter yeah wow that's that's, that's like a probably a must-have for every single pro major and every major label must have like all of the fab filter plugins their I'm, eq is the best eq i've ever used i mean every mm -hmm. single we, we we read so much about who uses what equipboard.com mm -hmm. is a good website okay. for that um if that came out when i was a kid i mean instead of me spending like hours and days at barnes and noble reading all those future sciencey magazines or dj magazines when I was a kid growing up, but now you just have equipboard.com. I sound like an ad, but I'm serious. It's such a good, you can literally look up anyone, DJ producers, mm -hmm. artists, everything. Wow. If they will show you the source too. So yeah, it how can. they know where, why they, you know, where they got the fact that they use that equipment. Yeah. It, yeah. I love it. It, it. Yeah. Cause that's where it was like, it's interesting. Cause you'll look at a compressor, you know, API 2500 mm -hmm. and you'll see like, okay, you'll see all these artists that use it and you see it, it's fully across the board or look up. You can see if they're using the digital version yeah. or the analog version. I mean, you can really, you can literally just look up like a Moog, you know, model D and see it'll be like Dr. Dre and it'll just drop every single person that's, mm. that's used it, that has it either. They've talked about it on some type of social media. There's a picture of it somewhere or it's an article yep. sure. or the YouTube video. They'll tell yeah. you the time that you got to scrub to, mm. to mm -hmm. show that proof. And you see in the background of the YouTube video Damn. of some random interview from 1990 wow. something. Yeah. It's wow. amazing. It's like the encyclopedia for equipment. Another thing I'm kind of excited to test into is ADDA converters. Oh man, um, so your audio to digital, digital to audio converter. Okay, that you know the one that we used on the album. It was a Mackie, and it was a Mackie Onyx, and it was very warm. And I'd like to try the the UA or 
yeah. everybody universal it's audio like what every single everybody has they all have that it's supposed to be super crisp and clear there's another one that came out not long ago and it's a- really cheap it's only like 250 bucks or something and it it actually has a neve mic pre or transformer transformer in it, in it. and the neve mic pre's are just like the top of the anything that you can go when mm-hmm. it comes to mic pre's and warm when it comes specifically for the warm sound um yeah, but to start testing these out, brands. yeah, because I, I think it would be kind of interesting to be to say that, all right, our Moog comes in really fat, really, you know, let's let's test out how it sounds through a, because they kind of, they Different each add co- color, sure. yeah. you know, your yeah. ADD, ADDA converter, like they'll kind of each have their own color. So I think that would be kind of fun to experiment with just to hear the difference of each instrument according to the color that's added, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think a lot of people do it, but as I was just looking up more and more and I, I talked to a friend and he's an engineer for uh, Garth Brooks and I was like, oh, well, like, what are you using? And of course, it was the like one of the most expensive ones. Sure. What was it called? Like, starts with a B, Burr, I, something. And as I was looking into it, it was like, well, you know, it is a rack mounted. That's I kind of would like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and but that's where it's we were talking about you know, with the next album, it's like, well, we need to drop another $10,000 into our studio. We need we are better mic pre's, better, com- better like, compressors. It's an addiction. Right. Get the RE20, yeah. the Howard oh, Stern yeah. microphone. <laughs> right. In your house, you're probably already starting to measure things. Like, hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. Going to drift stores like, is that a high-end 90s uh, audio component of some sort that I could, you know, I don't know. I You start to look at, I don't know, you go into this hole of sure. equipment, you know, researching yep. equipment. You're probably getting your feet wet in there with the what DA are you using? Oh, yeah. Cubase. Oh, cool. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd this like is to try them all. This is something you know, like I'm just scratching the surface on this. Like you know, I've always just been focused on performing and playing myself, and you know, just over the last couple of years, this is something I'm just getting into, and you know, just scratching the surface. But even just getting into this, you know, now is really exciting and I can see the rabbit hole coming quickly. Oh yeah. Oh, we talk way too we love to talk about it. We have no one to talk to about it, so we love talking about it. <laughs> 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 it's usually just the two of us talking about this. Uh-huh. When we talk amongst friends or what a compressor oh. does. Or a limiter. And, yeah, then right. they, yeah. And they're it like it doesn't uh, translate too well. <laughs> it does no. not. No. Our, our, we literally had a friend who was a she's like a mortgage loan officer and she goes and we're and her girlfriend was like really interested in like you know how does and she's a photographer so she was like I really want to understand how this works you know it's kind mm-hmm. of like a dark room works with photography, and as we're talking about it the one like turns over and was like you know that you know when people when I talk about mortgage loans that's kind of how I feel right now <laughs> listening to you talk about <laughs> oh. how music is created because it is very technical very, and it's like very technical. Loans. Well, it you know, is. It's science based, though, and like everybody, yeah, everybody has to take a look at it in, in a science aspect to it. So it's like breaking down, even just going down to the wave. You know, the wavelength mm-hmm. is just all about that too. So it, I like. Uh, while most people would find it technology based, I find it science based. Just like cooking, like when some, when a chef can tell you exactly why those flavors do it and why you cook it at a certain temperature compared to other ones, it's like that's interesting to me. I like to know the why and stuff, and that's Definitely. that's the beauty of it. Yeah, that's certain temperatures in a certain amount of time. Oh yep. my gosh. Because that's where, you know, even with, we got really, we're really into field recording because we like to go hiking as it is. Mm-hmm. So we would, you know, we'd go into a city, you know, we'd went to St. Louis and went into parking garages and started taking like little sounds because, you know, there's some people who like to find mm-hmm. sounds through crate digging and finding samples and chopping those up. Mm-hmm. We personally like to go out and find the sounds and record them and, and it be in its actual own space with natural reverb and because I already spent too much money on records. <laughs> and it, it's just more challenging and it's almost kind of limiting in that way where, you know, there was even parts where we had recorded our fire pit, you know, and then she added oh, a bunch geez. of, you know, echo and delay and just, you know, spread out the wave. And where it was like, you know, we can make any if you're not scared to push buttons and turn knobs, mm-hmm. you know, she made mm-hmm. this the sound of a pop can opening be like, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, you know, Jason almost, you yeah. know, <laughs> but everybody well, wants to do that at least once. Right. Yeah, you always, right. It's fun. Well, yeah. that's like how the, the, I can't remember whatever Super Bowl it was, but the Doritos uh, commercial, that guy just took a bite of a Dorito and recorded himself and just layered and layered and layered and different, different effects on each one. And that got that 
patent Doritos crunch sound from it. So Just amazing good. work like that. And I love how you guys do that. And one of the cool things about reading your press release was you guys really didn't talk about being musicians. It's about creating sound. And that's what really intrigued me about you guys um, as musicians or sound creators. Uh, how did you guys ever really get involved with this? I know, Kristen, you're more of the sound engineer as you were playing around with uh, Desiree's microphone there a little while ago. I could tell that you're moving that around. So (laughs) is that more like your side that you kind of like inspired more in Desiree or is it kind of a combo? I think I brought it out in Des. I think she forgot that she or didn't forget. um, I don't think she was around a person that is, uh, I guess it's not considered as weird anymore. People are into the ASMR thing Mm, mm -hmm. now yep and um so yeah now i'm not weird anymore (laughs) (laughs) um so i just i um i guess i i did this in school i just loved i don't know i just i it started you know you remember the talk boy from macaulay the home alone movie he had the talk boy recording thing yeah 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 home alone too yeah i remember that i think that played a big role i used to do my own radio shows and everything with that like as a kid and talk shows and then I, i think i just got into recording and i got into film too um, during high school, but then uh, I realized I liked audio a lot better. And then with her, her musicianship came from her trouble in her hometown, just being in her in her town. Um, I didn't have as much of that issue. I was just a happy-go-lucky Chicago girl, you know, having a blast. Mm. But her childhood is just different, you know, just being closeted over there. No, I mean, it's it's surrounded by cornfields. Yeah, that's true. You're in a jail of cornfields and you're in your own little jail. So I thought ACDC was really way. cool and started playing guitar when I was seven and I started playing drums all throughout school and college and, you know, and, but I, I you know, there is kind of this, it's either you have it or you don't. And we were, ta- we were talking about this and friends who are, you know, audio engineers that, you know, even before I met her, I bought Pro Tools, you know, before that I had gotten this rolling mixing mastering everything in one on cd thing i didn't know how to use i mm-hmm. think she's naturally techie though she's a natural total like computer person sure. weirdly and i'm not i grew up with computers she didn't and for some reason she knows everything i know nothing about computers even though i went i don't know so i think she just has the bone in her she just needed the task like we got the task cam to record our our old sets our live sets and since we got that once you put on those headphones and listen ASMR style, it kind of mm. does. Oh get, yeah, it, it, yep. it's like metal detecting. It's like, oh, I found a coin. Oh, it's a mm-hmm. good sample. Yeah, it's kind of gets that serotonin to your brain once you oh, hear yeah. it. Right, yeah. that you know? kick for sure. Pokemon a rush, finding a little gold rush feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. definitely. So then, what's interesting is like when it comes to you know the engineering side of it is, you know, I love sitting and cleaning every little you know it's like in between each sound you know and you'll put you'll chop it and then you'll put the fade on each side so there's no digital pop you know and I just like I find it pleasing to have a really clean workspace and so Kristen on the other hand she has these weird ways that she'll she'll like she'll (laughs) she'll loop this little section and and she'll keep dragging it back and forth until it's got this odd little sound Mm -hmm. and she'll be like oh that's it and then she'll chop. And what's crazy is like it looks like a little explosion because she'll throw things in other Tra- like tra- other tracks surrounding t- it. And I'm like, I'm looking at it and it's like OCD. I'm like, <sighs> like, I just can't watch her. When Sometimes she's... I forget where I left the sample. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, what is the sound? And and I have to go find it. And, you know, or there won't be any fades on it. You I know? literally mm-hmm. like chop files and then I s- take them like in a hand in your hand and then throw them on the screen mm -hmm. and then and then i keep rearranging it until until it sounds it finds its place yeah because i'm really indecisive like if i were to pick two things at a store it would take me like an hour to -hmm. pick so when i so it's like the same thing with the digital and just from from digital post editing it's like once you hear the correct formation of whatever you did like it, it hits you like you won the lottery. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. No if ands or buts. You know, and then that's what stays on the recording. But I truly do believe that when it, you know, when we start to write a song, I tend, I play the harmonic instruments, so I tend to like write out the, the beginning notation, the progression, and kind of this is the overall vibe. And this is first chorus. You know, we'll eventually get to bridge break and. All of that. And mm-hmm. what I've noticed is I think my music would be very almost formulaic and boring no, without no, no. her. No, it's like, OK, we're, we're A and B. Like she'll make 
a, a bunch of notes and and then we'll we'll loop it in eight bars or 16 or 32 mm-hmm. and then i'll just take the loop and then throw it on the synth and then figure out what i want to do with it cut it up whatever so it's almost like you're the you know um the right side up world and i'm the upside down world i just take i just completely invert whatever she did mm-hmm. you know so it's like i'll chop it up or just completely process it make it stranger things right yeah mm-hmm. or i'll rearrange her notation where it kind of has a glitchy sound to it or something mm-hmm. um like with the guitars uh i like I, we keep the original what she did and then when you get because a lot of the songs there's like a later 25 percent half of the song or ha- 20 last quarter of the song is kind of weird and different that's like the mm-hmm. upside down version. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like Wiley has that. There's just like this whole little. It turns t- into a whole different song later on. But it was meant to be mixed like live. So when we enter that okay. point, you know, then it, it starts to pick back up and it brings it, you know, because the whole we. Like we techno had, roots are coming out. Yeah. We mm-hmm. did the entire album in 128 beats per minute because we were influenced by Dark Side of the Moon and how, you know, each song was mixed together. And then the, mm-hmm. the last song and the first song are two halves of each of the same song, Time and Travel. So it was meant to bring you back in time and then the album can start again. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, you know, hey, you know, when I'd seen things with Alan Parsons and the members of Pink Floyd, they said it was an accident that it lined up with Wizard of Oz. And I mean, anyone can make a score, but the the sheer chance that it could have been your, an accident. Your like, emotional well, roller coaster right. is consistent when it comes to film and music. So let's set up an album that could accidentally go with a movie. And maybe someday, you know, in the future, right. someone's going to be like, I found the movie. There it is. <laughs> I found it. It's Fantasia. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what's cool? It's Sandlot. What's cool about <laughs> what you're talking about, though, is you have different strengths and you complement each other with that. And I think what's really cool is listening to you talk is hearing you describe how each of you work and knowing that you work very differently or approach things very differently. And I don't think a lot of people are necessarily aware of themselves like that, have that self-awareness. So I think that's really cool that you take that and embrace it and then use that to build what you create. It took some time though. I will say that in the beginning when we started, um, it was all an accident. I would, I would pass out and then she would jump on the computer and then she would pass out and I would jump on the computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we started to correct each other's things. And then we became like, Oh, you got, you did good there. Oh, you did mm-hmm. good there. Let's mm-hmm. just keep that going. I'll clean the house. You clean the audio files. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> or it's an, even interesting. I'd found that I'm really good with, uh, subtractive EQ yeah. and she's really good with additive EQ. Mm-hmm. So it was like, Oh, well, you know, but I mean, we had we had 10 years worth of music that we were creating. And I mean, 10, not 10 years, I'm sorry, but there is uh, probably but yeah, 10 yeah, songs, we had 10 years of random that, logic files that never made SoundCloud nothing. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't so invested much. in the music yet. You know, we were using free stuff, s- stock sure. EQ, stock, you know, synthesizers mm-hmm. that were all digital. And so then finally, you know, we started being you know, putting money into Not things. Not to say free stuff's bad because I use no. free stuff on this album as well. Mm-hmm. There is a there's, towel there's reverb we used so a lot on this album and it was free. Yeah. But, you know, so we bought a Moog. I finally got a Gibson. You know, I, you know, we finally started to, you know. Yeah, put quality in to have quality out. Sure. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't start any other way. Yep. <laughs> it's just what work. Yep. You can't add, can't add fake. Yeah. So then it was just in time. I felt like those 10 songs were meant for me just to learn, you know, the whole ins and outs with, you know, we use we use um, logic, you know, and and so I think that was a big help. So finally, you know, you know, long story short, when we got in that wreck, we had been in the hospital, you know, for over a month and then we got home. And then it was just this fire of like, we're going to get this done now and we're going to start we're going to start recording and we're going to start to finish each song and there's not going to be oh creative spike i'm going to record this i'm gonna start working on that and we're going to stop recording on this other song we had like 10 unfinished songs in the last 10 years so so from that it was nice because like working on an entire album was you know with the first song was hear me out you know we didn't we didn't have a lot you know we'd i'd we had it was mostly like an epiphone um some native instruments plugins and then, you know, went to, you know, Hollow that it was still the same. You know, by the time we got to Shady Beach, we'd gotten a Moog, 
you know, by the time, you know, as as we keep progressing, sure. our equipment started progressing. And then we end mm-hmm. up finding Fab Filter. Then we had to go back to the uh, first songs yeah. and then add that nice sub sub low sound that the Moog had, because that's what was missing from all the digital synths. Mm-hmm. You know, it made like a like a night and day difference when it came to the sub low end. Yeah. So we went back over. So we did a final mix on each song right at the very end with all of our equipment. Now we have accumulated in these two years and then there was points where like the instrument fully changed or the baseline had changed. The piano, we changed and we, the piano to a slide guitar. Mm-hmm, and things songs. had just changed last minute. And mm-hmm. it was it was kind of the best case scenario. And I think in that way, it would, would, would only want to be an album artist because as you're in the creative process and you learn more and more and you start to acquire more and more. Your, your ears have to develop a certain high level taste too because sure. you couldn't figure out what was wrong with that one verse song. Then once we took out the piano and replaced it, it was oh, and the snare and the kick. That that's a big difference too. Once you replace those three things, it was it sounded finished. Mm-hmm. It has this unfinished, even though there's like a million tracks and it still sounds unfinished. There's you know you have to have the trained ear to figure out why it doesn't sound unfinished. Even though I mean you would think like why is a piano you know it's just it was the quality of the piano synthesizer. Mm-hmm. You know if I could. Maybe I guess stop more money again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always easier to spend other people's money, not your yeah. own. Usually, it like that. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. And then people, you know, I, I'm sure I don't know if you noticed this in yourself, but there's things gear that we have that we don't use, like this. Um, oh, we bought the Daft Punk, the famous um, 3630 uh, Alesis compressor. Um, was famous because Daft Punk was the only one to successfully use it. Mm. It's it's supposed to be like the worst ever compressor. They use it for side chaining. <laughs> yeah, it was their side chaining compressor. I mean, we only spent thirty dollars on it, but I have it, it no just, plans just, ever to get rid of it. It sure. was just great. It was dirty. But then Daft Punk's album ha- used that to its advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they used the low quality, then boosted it. I'm sure with a different compressor, um, but used the you know the it. What the album is that? I get them all confused. Was it Discovery? Like was was it Homework? I'm not sure. It was Discovery or Homework. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, they they were the only ones. And I was inspired by that. And I grabbed it and didn't like it at all. At all. <laughs> but I don't plan on getting rid of it. Sure. Because it's, so that's uh-huh. where it's like you kind of start collecting. You do. And uh-huh. hoarding audio equipment. There's that gambles. Maybe I mean, one day. Shady Beach was recorded with a busted ribbon mic. You know, Ooh, like, but yeah. I, those were my favorite vocals. Like one of my favorites, uh, like I layer it was, I mean, I was trying to do an experiment with, um, buying, um, just a bunch of underrated stuff and hope that they're overrated. Sure. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Is that the right? Yeah. Okay. I got it yeah. right. Okay. Yep. Uh, but the Nady Mike, um, I didn't know the ribbon was broken. Neither did the person I bought it from. I bought it used. It wasn't that it was broken. It was stretched. Ribbons okay. have to stand upright because it's yeah. a tiny piece it. of she really thin aluminum foil that's mm-hmm. in the center of it. Mm-hmm. And if it's stored lying down, well, now the ribbon will start to unbend and start to, mm. you know, lay yeah. down. Yeah. And that's the resonance what happened. is going to be way different. Yeah. yeah. So I was totally. doing a lot of microphone testing, like live and studio around that time. And what ended up happening was that it was the best take, this busted mic on top of um, the D112, because we add that for bass. We tend to like use two mics at once, even though that's against all the rules I was taught in audio school, because you're going to have phasing issues. Um, we just did anyway, because we can't afford that nice Neumann that the LA, mm. the LA people, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Neumann or the Telefunken, those things are like a G each at the lowest. Um, so, you know, we resulted to two mics to capture two different spectrums, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, and then fix the phasing later. And there were some points where we left a tiny bit of phasing in because it was kind of its own effect. Yeah. Yeah, It's technically flange. Yeah. So, um, you know, I lost my train of thought. So that's an option for you. It was that, you know, even in your home studios is getting a bass drum microphone, um, that you can record, you know, a bass guitar, you know, and then you can use it on your vocals because, you know, Howard Stern uses the RE20 and that's a that's a low end microphone. It's meant to pull out the lows in his voice, mm-hmm. you know, and and in that way that that's how we found was the mic that I'm using right now is an AKG Precision. It was perception. A perception is pretty cheap microphone. It has a lot of shimmer and sparkle and a lot of it's mid and high. It's only good for this tiny range, but it's the best for this tiny range. Mm-hmm. But it's actually yeah. good for recording symbols, weirdly. Mm. Yeah. 
it's like the best I've, it really has done best. all of these tests and another thing with that 80 mic um it's known to be modded to become an akg 414 like people have certain uh cases or or cheap cheap mics that they use to mod and turn into the expensive mics sure just get different transform the same transformer or whatever um you know i want to get into that too is modding mics So, yeah, so what we did was we set up two microphones like when recording. So I'd have like right next to this was the, you know, D112 and it was a bass drum mic. And so I would do, you know, say five takes of, you know, and then I would go through and now I had like the two ends of the spectrum of here's here's the low end and here's the mid highs. And then I had a I had this random dream that was telling me to mix it in the way that you would do guitars and very much like. Uh, what's Three that band? takes and then put them out Le- left, Leonard center, right. mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. center, and right. Left center and right. Yeah. And so, and that's what we end up doing with a lot of the vocals. They, and they do it a lot in pop music too, to to kind of widen the vocals to be like a very, you know, front and center pop sure. vocal. And that was, it was completing the frequency, you know, that we had like, all right, here's the low end. I'm going to pull all the lows from the low. And here's like this really high shimmer and here's the mids and, and then let them, sp- and that was the way of widening the vocal, was left, center, right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it three, didn't three sound takes, so shallow. Yeah. Sure. So it was, I don't know, it was all of a sudden I had this like godlike figure that started showing up in my dreams and t- like telling me how to mix things. And this I think audio that, engineer God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that my yeah. brain space so was like, every night. Yeah. was only absorbing music stuff at the time. I just, I wasn't. You know, I, I just wasn't concentrating on anything else. So once my brain space opened up in dream realm, I was able to start getting creative mm. things that of things I probably already noticed in my conscience, but my subconscious like put the puzzle piece together and said, hey, sure. we had to temporarily quit our day jobs for for our brain to have enough space for music because you sure. know how your 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 day job boss gets in there, you know, whatever, or if it be a customer or what. Right. <laughs> you know, my gosh. Right. It's all going to linger. It yeah. does. Yeah. And then that's what takes over your dreams if you're working too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't drive angry, as Bill Murray says in Groundhog Day. Don't drive angry, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. That's true. I can yeah. definitely agree with that. Yeah. That's it for part one today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Dance Loud at danceloudmusic.com where you can buy yourself a vinyl, USB album, a fedora, tank top if you're into that, all four if you're really into it. You can also find them on social media at Dance Loud Music, and you can stream them, iTunes, Spotify, places you like to find music. Go check them out. It's really cool. You know Jesse and I aren't the biggest EDM fans. It's not what we talk about a lot on this show, but having had this conversation and learning more about their album, just thought it was really interesting. Made me a way bigger fan of this album and this genre. I highly recommend you check them out. Do yourself a favor. And do us a favor, if you would, head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review if you like this episode or you like a previous episode that you've heard. And leave an album you want us to talk about on this show if you do that by the end of September. So you've got four weeks, just about four weeks to do that. We will cover your album on this show. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week for part two with Dance Loud.